Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Paddock in the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Welcome back to my Ashes chat with former England international Roland Butcher. In part three of episode 101, Roland answered some questions from listeners of The Paddock and the Pavilion about coaching and the county structure. He also gave his firm views on where he thinks the future of cricket coaching should be heading. There's been a lot of talk about the the cricket structure in England. What changes would you like to see? I know you love test cricket. Would you like to see changes to the the county championship? In terms of the county championship, let's 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 look at this. You've got you've got 18 first class counties. Now I cannot seriously believe that any first class counties will be dropped who have made huge investments over many years in developing stadia, et cetera, et cetera. So if you, know, if you, if you wanted to drop four counties, now tell me what on earth would they be doing with the million dollar stadiums that they have built, the likes of the AGS Bowl and Headingley and Old Trafford and you know, Cardiff and other, I mean, what would they do? So. It, it really is, it makes no sense getting rid of any counties. The question is going to be, how do you make the county championship more attractive? That, that, that has got to be one of the, the primary functions. You've then got to look at what type of players you want to have playing in the county championship. And also, more importantly, when is the county championship going to be played and for how long? As it stands now, the the county championship is hugely um, disadvantaged, tacked on at the start of the season when conditions are not favourable for good red ball cricket, or the back of the season when it still isn't favourable for red ball cricket. Well, today so, today's fixture today they've just announced the fixtures for twenty twenty two this year, 
And there are now five rounds of county championship cricket in June and July. I think two in one month and three in, in the other month. So they have changed it a little bit this year. And they'll still be playing at the start as well. Yeah, at the start and at, and at the end as well. At the end, right. So, I mean, that, that, is, um, that for me is a much better um, distribution of that. Now, having done that, you, you've got to ensure now that the standard of the cricket players improves. So, you can look at, for sure, getting better surfaces. That has to be one of your priorities, producing better surfaces for these cricket to be played on so that bowlers have to bowl to get wickets, batsmen have to bat, you know, to get runs and get big runs. So you improve the quality of pitches. I would also look to increase the number of overseas players per team because you've got 18 counties already. You need high-quality players in each county to assist the young players and the players of the team coming through. So I would, I would increase the number of overseas players per team um, so that teams invariably become stronger than they are now. And if they become stronger, then the competition um, will be better and it would also help the players in the team. So those are some of the things that I, that, that I would do. I think one of the other things that I would perhaps look to see how it could be done is the contracted red ball players. I would try as much as possible to get them to also play as much red ball country cricket as possible. Uh, cannot have a system where you have international players who have played five first-class games in five years. Now, the place for practice for them, for the test place, test matches, is in county cricket. You get a shed load of runs in county cricket. That is your confidence for test cricket. If you're only playing test cricket and you are struggling and you're not playing county cricket, how are you going to get back into test cricket and be successful? That makes no sense at all. So they've got to find a way that these guys have to play um, county cricket. They don't have to play all of them, but let them play. So those are some of the things that I, I would certainly look at um, to, to keep the county championship um, alive and relevant. So you're very much in favour of keeping all the 18 counties of Jonathan Agnew uh, was proposal recently was having 10 teams based roughly around the 100 franchises and having a county championship which was separate but of a lower standard than this new competition with with 10 teams. So, I mean, what, what, what does he plan to do with the other eight stadiums? Well, I think he was. his idea was that they'd still have a county championship with all the 18 playing and it would be a lower tier and the effective new first-class uh, competition would be uh, the 800 uh, franchises plus two more, uh, which he thought would improve the quality of the of the county cricket or the franchise county-based cricket. But, but, but does he believe that 
those other, those other eight counties have made that investment for 18 cricket, that type of investment, and a running and a running course and maintenance involved for, for 18 cricket. You know, it, 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 you know, I, I know people want to make changes and they feel that if they make the pool smaller, um, you will have better talent. But while that in theory is, is, is very good, you've got to weigh up, you know, how do you affect the existing structures? I know, I know, Ultra, I know you have a team in, in Lancashire, but imagine that. Lancashire was one of those counties dropped. Do you think Old Trafford as a ground could sustain and maintain just playing 18 cricket at Old Trafford? Well, we have a current situation with two divisions where Nottinghamshire next season are going to be in Division 2 and they're, and they're a test match ground. And Middlesex, uh, as you all know, are in Division 2 as well. Yeah, but as I said, I, I have no problems with those. But let's let's increase, even for a period of time, let's increase the number of overseas players. Even go as far as up to four in the in, in the club. I mean, increase it. I want I want a better product in my in my team. If Middlesex have got four overseas players, people will say it's, it's denying an English player an opportunity. But there's seven other players in the Middlesex team. There's seven in Surrey. There's seven in all the other counties. Right. Now, if those, if you can't get players out of those seven all around the country, playing a, and you're playing a better level of cricket against, against better players, then you're really going to be struggling. You know, the, the strength of the counties back certainly in the days when I played was the number and quality of the overseas players that you had playing in county cricket in each in every team. The same cannot be said now for a lot of the teams. I mean some of them have some of them have average overseas players. But do you think you can get the quality overseas players that you used to be able to get? Listen, you, 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 you can get, you don't have to get the, even if you don't have the very, very top. For instance, let, let, let's use Australia as an example. Australia will have um, first team of whatever. So let, 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 let's use someone like, I'll, I'll use Kawaja as an example because he, he, he didn't start the series. And the others like Kawaja. Those guys could be playing county cricket, and the ones a little bit younger than them, who just like people like Lamashan when he came to England to improve his game, and not only did he improve his game, but he made a major contribution to the club that he's he's playing at. I, I think you could skillfully find, um, you know, the, the sort of players um, to do that. I don't think it makes a set, no sense reducing the county championship because by doing that, as I said, um, you're going to put a real burden on on some of those clubs who have, you know, the likes of Taunton and you know Somerset Taunton and there's 
who have made major investments in the development of their grounds over the years, you know, you're going to you're going to bankrupt those um, unless the ECB, you know, is going to give them a shed load of money each those ten on an annual basis. Um, but yet, even if you give them a shed load of money, you know, you're still going to end up with dilapidated stadiums and nobody playing them. So I, I don't like that idea. I don't like that idea. Another, you were talking about talent. Another uh, area where I've got several questions was on coaching, and um, one one person that uh, was very passionate about coaching is John Maynard, John the dentist Maynard, who's yeah. now yeah. Uh, based over in the UK. I think he lives in Bury St Edmunds, but he plays cricket at Newmarket Cricket Club. And All he right. did some, done some coaching also at Northamptonshire, and. He was saying that um, there's too much of a one-size-fits-all style in place for coaching rather than having just the player in front of you. And he said that in, in counties now, there's a desire for 360-degree players with a quick strike rate instead of learning how to bat in the moment with, with the best technique. The, the, the idea of a, of a 360 player... Is, is a flawed idea. Depending on the form of cricket you're playing, in the longer form of the game, a batsman only needs one or two shots. That's all he needs. He needs one or two shots and to play amongst, you know, if, if, you, if you look at Alec, you look at like Alistair Cook. Alistair Cook didn't have a, an array of shots. He didn't have square drive and straight down the ground and click through mid-wicket, down over the top. Alistair Cook had a basic game of, if it's short and wide, he was a good cutter. He liked to pull. And also he would play behind square on the leg side, off his, off his pads. Didn't wasn't a big driver down the ground. He would really have to be right. He'd have to be set, really set, before he played in those areas. So his game was built around his strengths. So you would say he only had probably three shots. Look how successful he was. Most of the, the good players, the guys who have shots all around the wickets, are usually failures. At, at the higher level because as well as having all of those shots they also have too many other too too many ways of getting out so you 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 have to limit limit the ways that you can get out and play to your strengths so john is right and i think to try to develop a 360 player um is it's a flawed idea it is making players trying to do things in other areas where they have not perfected the skill in their strength areas. So for me, it is always best to concentrate on the strength of the players. You know, you try to improve other areas, but I don't want my players to be playing a shot a ball to every ball. That, that is a recipe for disaster. And so John is right. He's right in that case. 
And is the the white ball this white ball game? This is a question from Martin Rankin, who is a sports coach at a school in Brighton. Is the white ball form of the game having an impact on the grassroots and youth level, i.e., defensive technique and being patient enough to, patient enough to pick the right ball to hit? Well, it's having an effect on cricket from the grassroots to the top, you know, because. You know, if I if I work downwards, you know, what you're seeing at the top is players taking a lot of high risk. You know, when you decide to wrap a ball or get inside and scoop it over fine leg, those are very high risk shots. That's what white ball cricket is about. It is about taking high risk um, with Defensive fields, they're not they're very they're not attacking fields in white ball cricket because the opposition know that the batsman's intention is to go after the bowling. So you don't necessarily learn a technique in the white ball game. Now, if I switch now to the other end, where Trojan are playing the game, you now have Trojan playing one where the coaches are making them play a faster pace game. They don't like the player who's technically correct and he plays slow. You know, they want him to hit the ball. So again, players from early age, they're not developing the right sort of technique um, that will help them in the longer form in the game, which would then help them if they're able to adapt their game to the shorter version of the game. What you're trying to do from very early is that you're trying to produce limited over cricketers from the youth and I, I think that is wrong because you have to learn you have to have a foundation in your game you have to learn the game the foundation is how do i play forward how do i play back how do i play straight how do i leave the ball that's the basis of developing a technique the white ball game is not based on that. The basketball game is where am I where am I looking to score? So a person who has learned the game by learning all of those skills, when he gets into the white ball game, he has got options as to what to do. The person who hasn't, he, he has he has no options. He will just he would manufacture shots. He doesn't have. He, he will not play the ball, as they say, um, on your merit. You know, he, he he will try to manufacture shots. So, I think coaches, structurally at the youth level, I think they've got to play more, more time cricket for the kids. Let them enjoy it. I think they have got to be more patient um, with, with the kids, and as I said. The structure of, of games need to reflect that players who are slower, as their term slower, must have an opportunity to be able to play in that format as well. Um, you will very rarely see a guy who is technically correct playing the longer form of the game. Make sure play the shorter form of the game because the thinking straight away is that you know he's too slow. But 
you know, faulty techniques are being developed from early uh, because of the white ball game. You, so you've got to find a balance somewhere. So clearly, from what you're just saying there, coaching is one of the the key reasons why England are now struggling at test level. Yes, you know, you know, a coach can be a coach can also be a hindrance to players. You know? People believe that you're a coach and you have all the answers. Um, you know, far from. You know, to me, the coach really. The coach is a facilitator. That's what a coach should be. He facilitates the team to play well and, and to blossom and to do what they do best. Right. It, it, not, the idea of the coach to be teaching people what to do. Uh, and most people's idea is of a coach is that, that a coach is there to teach, etc. No, I mean, a coach particularly as you go up the scale, a coach should be, he should be one who's questioning the player as to why he has done certain things and then challenge the players. As I said, a coach's job really is, is, is a facilitator and to bring out of the player things that the player has done, whether it's good or bad, to find out why he has done those things, right? which will help him with his learning going forward. It is not for the coach to say, well, you should have played that slug three, you should have defended. Um, no, I want to know more from you. You know, why did you make that decision to swing across the line? And based on what you tell me, you can then work out a strategy. So that's why I say a coach is a facilitator. He, he facilitates the player to get an understanding of the player's thinking, why he's done things or why he didn't do certain things. And then you can develop with the player a strategy from that. But too often people believe that coaching is um, to observe and tell the player um, what he's done and this is what you should do. So that, isn't, that isn't coaching for me. So the, is, so the player needs to take more responsibility himself? It's his game. The player has to take more responsibility, but I'm saying you can help him. Sometimes the player's thinking may have been muddled why he made that decision. So in discussion, you can get to that point where there's an admission that you know his thinking was muddled, was muddled you know, or he may be thinking about something totally unconnected with what he was doing at the time. So that's why I say the coach is a facilitator. Now, I believe also that the time has come now, particularly in higher level cricket, that the coach in cricket should resemble um, the coach in football. And when I say resemble the coach in football, is that our coach manager. Now, I will give you an example. If you take someone like Arsenal back in the day where Arsene Bingham was the, the coach, Obviously, in the early days, he got involved with the coaching, but you probably didn't know, and a lot of people don't know that. A very close friend of mine who I grew up with um, was at Arsenal, Neil Banfield. Neil Banfield was the first team coach. That was his job. So Arsene Wenger would set the program with Neil. This is what I want. This is how I want them to, to boom, 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 boom. 
Neil Banfield coaches the team. Arsene Wenger on match day, nobody saw Neil Banfield on match day. Arsene Wenger takes over. He's He's got what he's wanted during the week. He's got his strategy played play out, how he's going to play the game. The individuals, what they're going to do, et cetera, et cetera. The head coach now, or the manager, that is his job. I believe cricket needs to move to a system like that. Cricket is expecting a head coach now to be the one in the nets with an arm throwing balls at different batsmen, et cetera, et cetera. I think his head coach's talent is being wasted by having him know you should have a team coach who coaches the team with your instructions. That way, everyone is accountable. Now, if the team fails, I am the head coach or the head manager, I'm accountable. I get fired. If I was the one who brought you as my head coach, chances is that you get fired as well because I'm the one who brought you. You were carrying out my instructions. Between you, we failed. As it stands right now, you have the head coach is also doing the other role, which is the technical side of coaching. And I think I think it's time to separate those two um, things and have a football style coach manager who does just that. You know, he's head coach and manager. He manages the team. He manages the strategy. He manages the practice, but he doesn't actually do the practice himself. But don't we have that a little bit with like England have got the likes of Graham Thorpe, Paul Collingwood on hand with Chris Silverwood? Yeah, I mean, they, 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 they have all of those things on hand. But, um, you know, Chris Silverwood still has his, his input in, in their coaching. What I would like to know is, does Chris Silverwood lay out for those other coaches what he wants them to be doing? Or is Graham Thorpe, Thorpe in his own way as a batting coach, does with the players what Graham Thorpe thinks and feels as a coach, and vice versa with the bowler? Those are the things that I would like to know. I believe it has to come from the head coach. Stephen, this is what I want. Rory Burns is doing so and so and so. I want you to work on boom, 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 this area. Same thing with the bowlers, etc. So it's coming from the head coach. I'm not going to say it because you are the bowling coach. They're the bowlers. And, and so you do basically what you want. Your ideas may be different to mine. You know, I may I may have a different thinking um, about those bowlers as to where I want them to go and what they're doing. Um, you may have your own thinking, and you will coach them to suit. So you think you can get muddled thinking? Then I never thought we'd get Arsene Wenger, even though I'm an Arsenal fan, on uh, the Paddock and the Pavilion yeah. podcast. Uh, I don't suppose he'll listen, but uh, you think yeah, you, you get you, muddled you, thinking? I think you can get muddled thinking, definitely, uh, because. You know, you, you, you have, if you, if you have individuals by virtue of their job title, bowling coach, um, you know, the suggestion is that they do everything with the bowlers. Um, 
But are they doing what the head coach desires? Uh, is that discussion taking place? Um, so, I, I, you know, it, it is, you know, the bowling coach, the bowling coach appears to have the same status and the same level of comfortability as the head coach. And I, I think there should be different levels. They shouldn't have the same levels of, you know, if I'm the bowling coach, I cannot have the same level as comfortability as the head coach because the head coach has responsibility for everything. Batting, bowling, fielding, that is, that's what head coach is. My little area is bowling. I will be judge of bowling. That's why I think where the, the, that's where the model thinking can come in because my thinking is going to be based on me as that person in that particular job. This is what I will do. This is what I want to do with, with the bowlers. It may be in variance with the ideas of the head coach. So that's why I say I want to see that that style um, that style coming in, where you know, and, and, and even. To the point that, you know, when you get into the game, the head coach takes charge. Neil Banfield had nothing to do with the, the match day. His job was done. He has prepared these guys for this game. I think the same thing should, should happen in cricket. You prepared them this last week. You've got them to where you want them to be. There you go. Mr. Board, test match coming up. This is a test match starting. We've done everything we needed to do. Over to you. What else is there for you to do? Even more reason to have three different head coaches then with the three of I agree with that. Totally with that. Three different head coaches. But on match day, only the head coach. If at the end of the day, the head coach feels that I should go and talk to the bowling coach, fine, but really the bowling coach and others should have, they should have very little to do with, because you can't make, there's very little that you can do once the game starts. You can't change a bowler's test technique or, bowl, or batsman's test technique halfway in the game. What he has prepared with and for, he has to find a way to get through that game with that. When the game is finished now, you send him back to to the batting coach or you send them back to the bowling coach. But I, that's where I think the muddle thinking can come in because you still have all of these guys involved um, with the process. No, the match, head coach and captain. That is all. Right, some very interesting points there. Thank you very much for enlightening me on those. Uh, it's a, a different uh, style, but I can understand you can get this, you know, uh, muddle thinking with a with a bowling coach giving his point of view more than the actual uh, head coach. Well, listen, um, Stephen. When you when you these days when when you see interviews, um, I mean, and I've been watching them closely, and I'll use West Indies as an example. You will have bowling coach Roddy Eswick giving interviews on. The bowling, etc., etc. I, I don't agree with that. The head coach 
I'm in charge of this game. The head coach should be the one giving the interview and commenting on all areas of our cricket. My bowling coach, you've done your job. You, you prepared this team. No. I am the one that should be making those comments. You, so you sh I should be the ones who's, who's saying that either we didn't bowl well or our bowling is not got scratch or this or whatever it is. I'm in charge of the game now. But I find now that too much, that's why I say you get the model because batting coach is expected to speak on his batting. The bowling coach is expected to speak. No. You will never ever see in football the first team coach of any of these. Oh, they all got first team coaches. And quite often, you don't know who they are in football. You will never ever see at the end of a match an interview with the first team on the game or the players or anything else. You will see one man, whether it is Tuchel, Klopp, Rogers, whoever, one man, and he will talk about whatever it is that happened in the game, whether it's attack, defense, goalkeeping, whatever. I think it should be the same in cricket. Cricket is complicating and muddling the issue. Your job is to coach this team, bowlers, prepare them for the game. We don't want you out there talking public at the end of a game. No, I don't, I don't agree with that at all. Well, thank you very much. I've got some people on this podcast mentioned that I never thought I would hear. And uh, thanks again for your thoughts on coaching. And it'll be interesting to see how England's uh, setup evolves, whether we get one coach, two coach, three coaches, whether we go back to a national selector, which I know that you're also in favour of. When um, Ashley Giles' review um, uh, lands on the the uh, the mat of uh, Andrew Strauss, or whoever's going to to actually take action after this Ashes debacle, shambles, demise, whatever we want to call it. Well, thank you again for, for joining me. Great pleasure and um, looking forward to the next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Paddock and the Pavilion. You can download the show on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at The Pad and Pav. Don't forget, if you like the show, please do leave us a rating and review. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.